0: Good morning to you, Tucson and all of southern Arizona. Welcome live out of the Common Workspace studios. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenser on AM1030KVY, The Voice, daily in-depth news, conversation, and talk about the people, ideas, and issues shaping Tucson's future. I'm your host, Zach Yenser. Thanks for being with us on what we call around here Wednesday Eve. Matt, we're, we're getting better at this. We're actually remembering what we are calling our days Yesterday was Monday, of course. Today is Wednesday Eve. That's right. Tuesday.
1: I'm glad you're glad you're keeping track of these because, uh, uh, yeah, that's a good thing, Zach.
0: Well, Wednesday if we Eve. don't, we, we know our callers call you and tell you what we said, which is great because <laughs> they're listening. It's
1: good. Yeah, that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's also uh, 90
1: it, degree Eve practically. Goodness, it's gonna be 88 today.
0: Oh man, <laughs> just like that, huh? I was thinking yesterday that because it was war- it was toasty yesterday too. And I was thinking oh I'm just not ready for this I know it's coming you start to hit this point of March we get to April things start heating up I'm not ready for it to be 90 or 100 yet um, hopefully we don't go fully there yet but Matt knows Matt watches the weather are we are we in the 80s and 90s for for uh what feels like the rest of time today and tomorrow get... 88 okay
1: then we'll All hover right. around uh then we'll hover around 80 degrees okay and uh I heard some talk of something in the 90s next week but mm. um i i i haven't seen it in writing yet so i don't i don't okay. know if what they were where they were coming from but uh, if it's if it's in the 90s next week good lord mm.
0: yeah not nah, not ready not ready at all but we welcome you in to this almost 90 degree uh Wednesday eve day uh that is uh that is Tuesday and we've got a full week of guest conversations the rest of the week but yesterday and today Um, are really an open phone line hour of conversation as it's turning out. And trust me, I've got plenty to talk about, plenty on my mind. Uh, Let me tell you a few of the things, just kind of tease it. You're welcome to call in, 520-790-2040. Matt will pick up the phone and get you queued up to go. Here's what's on my mind. We can talk about anything you want to talk about. Uh, But I actually want to do something I rarely do on the show, honestly and do a bit of a follow-up segment or so on the conversation we had yesterday on the program. I talked about homelessness in Tucson. And as many of you might expect, I got social media messages, I got text messages, I got email messages, you were listening, uh, and you had thoughts. And and I thought it would be valuable to kind of say, here's what I heard from the community. And then I have a follow-up item that I think substantiates what we were talking about yesterday in terms of how do we tackle this challenge and it is a challenge. Uh, I want to talk about um, is Tucson a talent importer or exporter? Uh, we're looking at some US Census Bureau data now uh, and uh, we, we've got we, we know over a five year period where people are moving into and out of so I want to speak to that a little bit and what I think it means. Uh, And then uh, maybe something on housing affordability. This is gonna be a a bit of a localized show here for the greater Tucson region. I I talked some national stuff yesterday, but look, there's a lot of people who do that. Uh, We're here, we're local. Um, I live in Tucson, I talk about Tucson issues, I'm here. And and that's the conversation uh, that we get to have. So uh, uh, 520-790-2040. uh, so let, let me let me start here uh, because I had a, a friend send me something and I went and looked it up myself and I thought it was interesting. Uh, Councilmember Steve K, uh Steve Kazacik, sorry, writes a, a very uh, a very thorough newsletter a couple of times a month and his most recent one uh, came out a number of days ago and I think or maybe yesterday. And he, he, here was something in his newsletter about homelessness that caught my eye he said this the city is investing 12 million dollars this year he said look don't tell us that we're not working on this problem we're investing 12 million dollars this year on tackling homelessness he goes on to say that half of that 12 million uh, about half of that 12 million has been spent on buying hotels the city now owns three hotels and so I did some of the math, and he lays the math out there. I mean, that's this is a, a, a very thorough piece. Every time it comes out, worth worth a read, uh, whether whether you're in the city or not, or whether you like the seat holder or not. So it's it's very thorough, and I appreciate it. Those three hotels have a capacity of I counted about 175 beds. And then he goes on to say the rest of the funding is a combination of federal and local funds for wraparound services. And this is, this is in his words, that leaves over 1,000 people who don't have a roof over their head on a given night. And I put this on my social media um, this morning as I've begun to really study this issue. For me, the ROI, the return on investment of that strategy on the part of the city, I think is doubtful. Right, If you are, if you are dealing um, with uh, what it looks like about 1,200 people still who are unsheltered right, by another nonprofit or whatever, uh, we know that current shelter beds uh, are seeing max capacity. That's my understanding. So we have 1,200 people left to serve. If you're seeing a spike in people on the streets, the numbers bear witness that your eyes are correct. We have twelve hundred people. The city is spending six to twelve million dollars to be able to serve a fraction of those individuals. All right, look. I mean, like to me, I I, I think people will be very surprised how pragmatic I come into these conversations. Right? There, there's no pot shots, right? Going on here. I'm simply saying, let's look at the data. We're spending six to twelve million dollars. The city is serving out of that less than 200 people at a time, while thousands, probably plus, don't have a roof over their heads. Now, why do I bring this up? Why did this catch my eye? Because yesterday, I was talking about, look, I'm no expert, but I I look around the country, I look globally, actually, at at some other research coming, and I'm actually becoming uh, more interested in the shelter-first, treatment-first, housing-earned model. Uh, That has some examples in our city of Tucson and also around the world. It allows for shelter at scale, treatment of the often underlying causes of homelessness that are mental health and drug addiction, and then single unit housing for those who are transitioning accountably back well into life and career. And, And my point is, look, these are policy choices, right, that we can make to say, do we spend a lot of money on lesser return on investment? Or do we look at an at-scale model that that doesn't, as one listener said, just kind of whack-a-mole, you know, you know, tries to, you know, put a towel over the faucet, right? You're going to stop a few drops, but you're <laughs> you're not going to stop the flow. I'm just a guy looking pragmatically for pragmatic solutions, and by the numbers, I'm not sure that the housing first direction that the city is going is the best return on investment for a problem um, where, where the thumb in the dike may work now, but it's about to break loose and, and we're gonna get flooded by a situation that we know is causing challenges um, a- a- around the country. Let me go on for a couple more minutes, Matt, because I, I, I don't think it's worth a break right at this second. I wanna uh, share some listener some listener feedback. Um, some listener feedback. one listener said that they were yelling at their radio at first which is which is actually good in this in this business I think I wasn't saying anything it wasn't that I was saying anything you know crazy or out of pocket or anything. Uh, it was just I think the listener didn't quite agree with me at first but got there in the end but that's always good in this business. if someone's yelling at the radio that's actually uh, one of the one of the greatest compliments that uh, that, that you can have uh, of talking about how we need. Uh, uh, accountability um, that the LA Times mentioned in a major piece two or three years ago that people who live outdoors do not want to go to shelters uh, or begin a program to conform their lives to the way you and I live, was this listener. And, And saying that, look, you know, we can provide options, but unless we provide accountability and a little bit of firm, maybe tough love, to say, look, we care about you. Not only should you not be out without a roof over your head, but you need to solve the reasons why you're here on the streets. Look, our community is a public good. It is a shared public good. And people deserve on all ends of this ecosystem to live safely and live well. And sometimes that means strong, firm, tough love. And that's what I'm proposing. Uh, is that we relook at our methods to serve the most people in the best way possible. We're just not doing that now. Someone uh, messaged in on social media and said, I liked your Monday show about homelessness. It's complicated, but I think the city isn't connecting the insane cost of housing with homelessness enough. Personally, I'm not a fan of the city buying an old hotel here and there model. It's a drip solution to an open faucet problem. I love that. I don't know where the money would come from, but I don't see why we can't take the student housing model and adapt it for shelter. I think it's a great point. Again, the conversation we started yesterday was was how do we start to solve this problem at the scale it deserves instead of drip solutions to an open faucet problem? Uh, So yesterday's conversation got people thinking, I'll close on this. I had a friend send me an article written uh, about a week ago. In the, uh, in the Republic, up in Phoenix. And the title, I'll pull it up. I should have it pulled up. But basically reflecting that this challenge, the challenge of homelessness, uh, impacts working-class neighborhoods first and most. And it goes into many reasons why that is. But But, but I want to remind our urban leaders that the problems that you don't tackle well enough and large enough impact working-class neighborhoods first and most. Right? And to some, that's going to sound like a shot. It's not. I am so passionately pragmatic about the grand challenges our community is facing. This isn't ROD for me. Uh, This isn't pot shot radio. This is saying, look, we've got a closing window to solve this. And I'm sure everyone sitting in positions of leadership cares as much or more than you and I do right now. But we are simply not tackling the problems in a fast enough, large enough way. And, and if I have a, I'm air quoting, if I have a job here for an hour a day, it's to say, look, we all care about the problem. The solutions may be different. I'm not sure the direction we're going is effective. And whether it is public safety, whether it is economic opportunity, whether it is homelessness, the problems we will not solve or that we solve too slow and too weak, impact working class neighborhoods first, worst, and most. I think this is one of them. 520-790-2040, you can use that number to give us a call. The whole hour, we're just getting started. Uh, This has been a follow-up segment to uh, a couple of segments yesterday on this topic that got a lot of people talking and probably no surprise, homelessness in Tucson. When we come back, uh, I want to keep talking Tucson. Is Tucson a talent importer or a talent exporter by the numbers? U.S. Census Bureau. No opinions, just the numbers. We'll be right back here on Tipping Point on 1030 The Voice.
2: and everywhere in between. 1030 The Voice, trusted local news and talk.
0: Hey guys, and yeah, I mean guys, if you're a man over the age of 30 and you want to accelerate fat loss, gain lean athletic muscle, and build habits to maintain results, then the Sustainable Strength System is for you. I'm hanging on to 30 pounds myself that I don't need. And in this new year, I signed up with Akil for this 90-day program that coaches you through reaching your fitness goals with a focus on intelligent programming, nutrition, injury prevention, and lifestyle. If you're ready for a three-month journey to help better your health and strength, go to SustainableStrengthSystem.com. Located just two doors down from the Rialto Theater, Little Love Burger opened just last fall and is serving up the juiciest scratch-made hamburgers, loaded hot dogs, have ice cream milkshakes, lovable local brews, and the most addictive breakfast sandwiches. They're open Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Friday and Saturday from 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. Follow their beat on Instagram and Facebook at Little Love Burger Tucson and mention you heard about them on Tipping Point for 15% off your next order.
3: time with Devin and her team.
4: Hey, you. If you're like a lot of people in Tucson, you'd love to look at a new home while interest rates are still low, but you hear prices have gone up, competition is fierce, and you'd just rather avoid the hassle. I'm Kathleen Jernigan with CNC Partners, and I want to tell you that you can make the move now. Our team is one of the most successful in greater Tucson, helping buyers get results in this hot market. Call 520-406-0233 and let us know you heard us on Tipping Point to schedule a no-strings-attached conversation to see if we can be on your team
0: Hi, this is Tom Sullivan. Join me weeknights from 7 to 10 for the
5: Tom Sullivan Show on 1030 KVOI, The Voice.
0: And we're back, Tucson and all of southern Arizona. Good morning. Welcome live out of the Common Workspace studios. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenser here on AM 1030 KVOI, The Voice. It's an open phone lines hour call us anytime the rest of the week is busy with some great guests but today is you and me you're our guest 520-790-2040 and uh, we we spent a little bit of a longer segment to open the hour following up with listener emails and comments uh, and some new data on a topic I started yesterday if you're just joining us and that is homelessness uh, in Tucson we're going to talk about is Tucson a talent importer exporter in a minute and maybe some housing affordability conversations. Today's show is is completely Greater Tucson focused, uh, and um, uh, I will always remember when a listener messaged in and said, uh, I, "I really wish that you would stop talking so that listeners can call in." I said, "Me too," <laughs> uh, uh, but the way I stop talking is when listeners call in and so uh, please interrupt me let's have a conversation I've got a bunch of other stuff to talk about but ultimately this thing we do called local radio means we can talk in real time with real people about real issues and see where the conversation goes it's a beautiful thing so 520 790 2040 let's go to the phone lines now Doug has been listening and waiting Doug thank you you are live and on the air go ahead
5: morning Zach I thought your show was excellent yesterday and the idea of You know, shelter first, then transformation through education or treatment and then earning your, earning your home. Uh, because all we're going to end up doing is if we, if we buy more properties and house homeless people that have not had any sort of uh, transition and transformation, they're just going to, you know, they're going to die a slow death. So it's not really compassionate at all. And it certainly uh, doesn't help the problem. Um, but also, I, I like what you just said too. You, I think you're right about uh, it affects the working class neighborhoods the most. I mean, you wouldn't see a homeless camp set up in Oro Valley; it, it wouldn't be tolerated, or even in the in the foothills, which is in the county, they wouldn't uh, tolerate it. But it it does get tolerated in working class areas, and that's really unfortunate. And uh, I, I don't know if you remember a few years ago, they uh, there was a story where. Phoenix was actually giving homeless people bus tickets to come to Tucson. So what they were doing is exporting their homeless problem. They got caught, so it, it stopped. But it just illustrates how it works. You know, try to, you know, get it out of your neighborhood and put it in somebody else's.
0: Doug, I, I appreciate the I appreciate the comment and the call. Thanks for calling in. I mean, and, and, I mean, you know, we're we I think we're preaching to uh, to the choir together in, in the sense that we agree the research that I'm seeing around the country. And I said yesterday, I'll say today. I'm not an expert. I'm merely looking at the data and asking the questions based on what I see. Um, is in other communities that are spending a lot of dollars on this problem with little improvement is because uh, the the assumption bipartisan, by the way, Republican and Democrat. This has been a federal strategy, from a bipartisan strategy for a while of housing first, almost to where it's become almost religious doctrine in the way that it's t- talked about. Basically, says um, that a low barrier to housing provides the stability uh, upon which uh, improvement of life happens. And I get the theory. But we're seeing in cities around the country um, where there's a lot of dollars spent with few results um, that if there's not a treatment plan um, that happens before housing is earned, if that is flipped, then I I just think the the success is questionable. And so that's what I'm asking. And it's tough ground because people don't want to have this conversation. Uh, people don't want to say, wait a second, the way we thought about housing and homelessness may not be working. I'm not dogmatic about it either way. I just want whatever we do to work. And Doug, to your other point, I mentioned this maybe yesterday or Friday. When I talk about that Republic article from Phoenix about the homeless challenged, unchecked, not handled strongly at or well enough at scale, impacts working neighborhoods first, worst, and most – I'm not theorizing uh, uh, about that, you know? I, I, I can take anybody on a tour whenever you want to go see the tenth city that is massively forming in my neighborhood, a working class neighborhood on the west side of Tucson, right? Like this is not an article for me. This is not theoretical for me. This is my daily lived reality. And you get to hear on the air, my firsthand look at what is happening and the policy choices that we have the chance to make. And I don't think we're making strong enough, well enough, and big enough. So uh, I don't know if Doug is still on, but uh, that's what you made me think of. Doug, thanks for calling 520-790-2040. Give Matt a call. At this point, we may have to cue you for the the next segment. But if you want to talk about this topic or another topic, let's have a conversation. Half the show left. Uh, I'll go where y'all want to go. But in the meantime when we come back from a break. I wanna talk about US Census Bureau data uh, around uh, a five-year trend that looks across the country. Where are people moving to and where are people moving from? And I wanna talk about Tucson and Phoenix and who's going where and at what rate. Is Tucson a talent importer or a talent exporter? And once I tell you what I think the data is showing, uh, I will tell you why. Uh, As many of you know, uh, I get to hear from hundreds of young professionals um, a year, young people, 21 to 45. And uh, they have told us pretty clearly what they want uh, us to focus on in terms of making Tucson a place that is the most uh, prosperous, innovative, and inclusive as possible. So all that on the other side. And then a piece of housing affordability news. Something I've talked about a lot on this show. Um, homelessness has added to that. Uh, but I want to talk about a piece of news that came in out of the greater Tucson area and uh, what I think it means and where we should be going. So unless you call me, that's where we're going. Five two zero seven nine zero twenty forty. 2040 Thanks, Tucson, for listening. We'll be back after bottom of the hour news break here on Tipping Point Point. AM 1030 KVY The Voice. Hey guys, and yeah, I mean guys, if you're a man over the age of 30 and you want to accelerate fat loss, gain lean athletic muscle, and build habits to maintain results, then the Sustainable Strength System is for you. I'm hanging on to 30 pounds myself that I don't need. And in this new year, I signed up with Akil for this 90-day program that coaches you through reaching your fitness goals with a focus on intelligent programming, nutrition, injury prevention, and lifestyle. If you're ready for a three-month journey to help better your health and strength, go to SustainableStrengthSystem.com. In 2021, FC Tucson was just getting started. We're
2: building something special that all of Tucson can be proud of. Don't miss FC Tucson in action in 2022. Secure your season tickets now at fctucson.com or call 520-600-3095 and download the FC Tucson app in the App Store or Google Play to get updates on MLS preseason as FC Tucson welcomes the biggest teams in U.S. soccer in January and February.
1: Helping you make better money decisions is what The Ramsey Show is all about. Today at 1 p.m. on 1030 The Voice.
0: And you're back, Tucson, in all of southern Arizona. Good morning to you live out of the Common Workspace studios. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Ganser on 1030, KVI, The Voice, the In-Depth News. Conversation and talk about the people, ideas, and issues shaping Tucson's future. Uh, this segment is sponsored by Little Love Burger. Uh, they opened downtown on uh, October 20th last year. It's been a great run so far, a few doors down from the Rialto Theater. Little Love Burger sort of the juiciest burgers, loaded hot dogs, ice cream milkshakes, local brews, and breakfast sandwiches. You can follow them on social media at Little Love Burger. Uh, and then uh, I think Matt and I are going to go down soon, someday soon, and try the uh, the Yenser discount. Got to get the Yenser rate, man. The the Yenser rate, uh, which is fifteen percent off your next order, one five percent when you say that you heard about us here on the Tipping Point with Zach Yenser. So uh, support great men and women running a great local business in our beautiful city downtown. Uh, and good food along the way with a little bit of a special discount for listening to this show. I just don't think it gets much better than that. So that's uh, that's does, what I recommend. Does the
1: answer rate do. also apply to those milkshakes that just sound fantastic?
0: They do. They, I mean, that's a meal. Mil- milkshakes are a meal, right? <laughs> you bet. If it's if not, I'm giving you permission to
1: <laughs> They're a meal when I'm there. <laughs>
0: Oh man! Uh, so so so, Matt and I will let you uh, let you know the result of our of our upcoming upcoming adventure. Uh, thanks for listening, Tucson. Uh, give us a call 520-790-2040. It's uh, a live line hour here on the program where we get to have a conversation together. Our last couple segments have been about the topic of homelessness in Tucson, an accidental follow-up to the conversation on that topic that we had yesterday. But that's the beauty of live local radio. We get to have a rolling, real-time conversation with real people about real issues. It's really special and happy to be doing it with you. You can catch it all on the podcast, by the way, kvy.com, forward slash podcast, iTunes, Google Play Music, Spotify, search Tipping Point with Zach Yenser and you'll find us there. Uh, Something that I wanted to talk about here in this segment is some more data crunching uh, that I have been doing. A friend sent me this a few days ago about where are people moving to Phoenix from and it sent me down this rabbit trail and uh, as a probably not a surprise to too many people the top community over the last uh, really 2014 to 2019. So every five years, the US Census Bureau puts together data and then in the year after they present it. So this is our most recent five-year stretch of data that we have. It is pre-COVID, which is important. But 2014 to 2019, uh, they found that the biggest um, exporter of people to Phoenix was the Los Angeles Metro area. Second to that, right, and these are above different nations and different communities. The number two exporter of people to Phoenix over that five year period that we have data for was Tucson. By the way, Flagstaff was number nine. So two Arizona cities in the top 10, uh, or or two cities in the top 10 were Arizona cities uh, sending people to Phoenix. Now, somebody asked a question because I put this on social media. It was a great question. Uh, I am not all-knowing, thank God, Uh, and so I do my best to research. I do my best to be sure about what I'm saying before I say it, Uh, but the beauty of this gig is I get to put it out there, and people can go, well, did you think about this? And so one of those, well, did you think about this, was, well, I wonder how many people moved from Phoenix to Tucson in that five-year period, I went, huh. That's interesting. Well, the all-knowing Google, Google is all-knowing, has an answer for that. So uh, about 11,600 people moved from the Tucson area to the Phoenix area in that last five-year chunk of data we have. About 11,000 people, so 600 less, moved from Phoenix to Tucson. Now, I think there's a pro and con there, right? I, I think the pro is that in terms of Tucson, right, we... We gained just about as many people as we lost to the Phoenix area. The numbers are the numbers. But I think the asterisk to that is, and math is hard for me on the air, so I could be totally off on this. You can let me know. 520 790 2040. Consider the fact, though, that Phoenix is five times larger. Phoenix is over five million people now, the metro area. The Tucson metro area is about a million people, rough numbers. So the same number of people are going back and forth, but percentage-wise, uh, there is a greater percentage of people going to Phoenix than there is coming from Phoenix to Tucson. So I, th- I think I figured it out. I think that makes sense. Uh, same number of people, uh, but a much larger percentage of the population moving from Tucson to Phoenix than Phoenix to Tucson. So. There's numbers there. The numbers back up the anecdotes. The numbers back up the gut feeling that Phoenix is a magnet that is drawing people in from around the state and from around the country. No surprise there. I had uh, posted this on my Twitter and someone commented or retweeted it or requoted it or whatever it is uh, and said, well, Arizona has had a very phoenix based strategy right and it certainly feels that way but friends let me tell you where my headspace is right now i am so tired of the excuses that we in our community give ourselves have you noticed that our problems are always somebody else's fault well tucson's not growing enough economically well it's somebody else's fault Tucson's job, COVID jobs recovery didn't recover fast enough. Well, that's because of all these other reasons. Like we were never responsible in this beautiful community for our own destiny. Have you noticed that? It, 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 there, there's, there's never anything more we could be doing. We are a victim of somebody else's waking up in the morning thinking about how to pick on Tucson. It's always something else. It's never because... We need to have a a boardroom conversation and say, "We need to shift this, this and this it's It's always somebody else's fault. We're doing just fine. We're doing as much as we can do, and it'll turn out fine and and, and this is a complete sign out i don't I'm not going to rabbit trail on this because I got somewhere else I want to go, but I've just begun to notice this in this community. Let me also interject. I am tremendously excited about this region. That's where this passion comes from. Not because of what we lack, but because of what we have. Uh, Our future could be uh, incredibly amazing with all of our talents, all of our skill sets, all of our resources, our natural beauty, our space, above and on the surface. Uh, I am so excited about this community, Um, but I'm also becoming more urgent uh, about addressing here on this program the challenges that I think are gonna get in the way because the future is incredibly bright. There's a lot of people listening who will disagree with me on that, by the way. There's a lot of people, uh, both Republican and Democrat in my circles, who don't agree with me on that. But that's my opinion. I think Tucson's future has an incredible potential. We just keep kind of stepping on the rake, and getting in our own way. And part of it is because I think we have a victimhood mentality. And I think we need to start saying, back to even the last couple of segments of homelessness, Look, we've got policies, we've got resources, uh, and we have the daily decision about what we do with both. And we either make the right decisions or we don't. And when we don't, I think we need to have conversations that call it into question and move it in a different direction if it needs to go there. But we've got to stop being a victim. Okay, so, so, so why is this, right? People want to say, Zach, give me the punchline. Why, why do we have a kind of 5x rate relative to population of people moving to Phoenix from Tucson than people moving from Phoenix to Tucson. I think it comes back to the normal people's scorecard. Right? I don't know if that's a good name for it. Nobody's told me to change it. It's my word. It's my phrase. Uh, normal people's scorecard for the three things that the data tells us make people make decisions about where they live and where they come, where they stay or where they come. Opportunity, affordability, quality of life. Right? And that basically means can I afford to buy or live in a house and afford the cost of living on the wages of a good paying job? And uh, can I do it on good streets, near good parks, near good schools, in safe neighborhoods? My friends, if you can solve that in any community, we've got people, by the way, listening from other states right now so I can broaden this beyond Tucson. By the way, I love that. Thank you for listening from wherever you are on KVOI.com. We have listeners, I think, uh, often from Nevada I've heard and uh, we had somebody from the East Coast message it and say, I've been listening to you, so that's cool. That's the formula. I don't care whether you you know, are in Provo, Boston, Tucson, that's the formula. Y- you make that happen, anything else you care about happens f- faster and bigger and better. And Phoenix, I think, is struggling with affordability. Uh, but by and large, there's opportunity and there is quality of life to a degree that I think on paper and in lived experience is stronger than what we have in Tucson. Right? And I think in Tucson, God love us. And this is the truth, too. I mean, UN City of Gastronomy, UNESCO City of Gastronomy, great tacos, great trails, open space, slower quality of life. Th- those are as someone said, the, the, the sprinkles on the ice cream. Th- th- those, are the, those are the awesomes to have. But I gotta tell you, when I talk to the, the, the young professionals in my network, I'm in the business of talent retention, that's what I do, or try to do. When I talk to them, I gotta tell you, it's housing, schools, and jobs. gotta have those things. And I think Tucson still struggles with that. And I'll add another layer onto this. Somebody basically said, so you mean, you know, kind of eh, job market, but great tacos, great quality of life, slower pace. You mean to tell me all those other things take a back seat to just jobs and can I put food on my table? Yes. I'm sorry that people 21 to 45 want to put food on their table and live in a in a good house in a safe neighborhood on decent wages. I'm sorry that that's, that's what we ask for. It's Maslow's hierarchy of needs, <laughs> right? Yes. I'll tell you when we surveyed our membership uh, and this data is gonna come out in a more public way, uh, Tucson Young Professionals is the organization I'm talking about, <clears throat> in the themes that said, what would make you leave this community? In the top four or five, my friends, at least three related to workforce development, economic development, job opportunities, and pay scale. I mean, it was dominant. The ability to have economic opportunity is so overriding. And right now, the Phoenix area, whether you think it's our fault or somebody else's fault, the Phoenix area is taking advantage of its core strengths to do just that. And its infrastructure, I think, is improved, uh, and I, I think that its family-friendly amenities are improved o- over Tucson, right? And, and look, I, I think everybody cringes when someone says that, but we live in a competitive world. Somebody asked me, "Does Tucson have to be more urgent, have a little bit more hustle, or, or can we just maintain the way we are?" I don't think we get to. Ha- we, I don't think we get to answer that question. I think a competitive economy where people are making decisions every day about where they live and work and move, make that decision for us. They answer that question and by the data. The answer is there's a five times rate more likelihood that people move from Tucson to Phoenix than Phoenix to Tucson. Net migration, we're about equal, right? We lose a thousand, we gain a thousand over five years. But proportionally, people are moving and voting with their feet. And the answer is clear. And and if we're going to change that narrative, we're going to change course, we have to focus on affordability, opportunity, quality of life in a way that is bigger and bolder than we're doing right now. So I love how the data tells the story. The data makes my job easy, right? Because you could just trust that I'm right. Or I could tell you the numbers and you can believe the numbers and you can hear what I think and make sense if it makes sense to you. That's how I like to do this job. There's the numbers. When we come back, one more segment. Uh, look, uh, after almost five years of doing this, I know you all by now. Some of you are waiting till the last segment to give me a call, 520-790-2040. You've got 10 minutes to do it. Uh, before Matt closes the phone line. So give us a call, 520-790-2040. One more Tucson topic on the other side when we come back here on Tipping Point, 1030 The Voice.
2: It's about more than your money. It's about your life. The Ramsey Show, weekday afternoons from 1 to 4. On 1030 KVOI, The
0: Voice. Tucson, your Tucson Museum of Art is pleased to present the Patrick Martinez Look What You Created exhibition and his first solo museum exhibition in the American Southwest. Los Angeles-based artist Patrick Martinez explores sites of personal, civic, and cultural law sustained over recent years in America. Opening just this month through April 24th, you can go see it in the Kassar family wing of Latin American art. Art TucsonMuseumOfArt.org to get your tickets now.
3: time with Devon and her team.
2: In 2021, FC Tucson was just getting started. We're building something special that all of Tucson can be proud of. Don't miss FC Tucson in action in 2022. Secure your season tickets now at fctucson.com or call 520-600-3095 and download the FC Tucson app in the App Store or Google Play to get updates on MLS preseason as FC Tucson welcomes the biggest teams in U.S. soccer in January and February.
4: Hey, you. If you're like a lot of people in Tucson, you'd love to look at a new home while interest rates are still low, but you hear prices have gone up, competition is fierce, and you'd just rather avoid the hassle. I'm Kathleen Jernigan with CNC Partners, and I want to tell you that you can make the move now. Our team is one of the most successful in Greater Tucson, helping buyers get results in this hot market. Call 520-406-0233 and let us know you heard us on Tipping Point to schedule a no-strings-attached conversation to see if we can be on your team.
0: Hey guys, and yeah, I mean guys, if you're a man over the age of 30 and you want to accelerate fat loss, gain lean athletic muscle, and build habits to maintain results, then the Sustainable Strength System is for you. I'm hanging on to 30 pounds myself that I don't need. And in this new year, I signed up with Akil for this 90-day program that coaches you through reaching your fitness goals with a focus on intelligent programming, nutrition, injury prevention, and lifestyle. If you're ready for a three-month journey to help better your health and strength, go to SustainableStrengthSystem.com.
5: This is Bill Buckmaster, the monthly consumer alert from the BBB during the noon hour on 1030 Tucson's Voice for Trusted News Talk.
0: We're back Tucson and all of Southern Arizona. Good morning to you. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenser right now on AM 1030 VOI, The Voice. This segment is sponsored by Little Love Burger. They opened downtown last fall, a few doors down from the Rialto Theater. They're serving up the juiciest burgers, loaded hot dogs, have ice cream milkshakes, local brews, and breakfast sandwiches. You can follow them on social media, at Little Love Burger. And Matt, I'm realizing that you and I had a bit of uh, a Bill Buckmaster moment in the last segment. A uh, dear friend, a uh, mentor of mine over the last f- almost five years of doing this. Um, but uh, I guess I've learned from him because he always gets his guests to talk about their favorite part of the uh, menu of a, of, a, of a food business that's um, that, that's on his show. And, uh, and you and I were drilling over the milkshakes in the third segment. so. I uh I am maturing in this business. I am maturing in this business. <laughs> Matt Neely. When we uh when we um uh went to break we talked about uh how I want to talk about something that is happening around affordable housing. We've talked about homelessness. Uh, This hour and last segment, we talked about U.S. Census Bureau data that talks about who is moving to Tucson from Phoenix and from Phoenix to Tucson, what I think um, the data means. You can catch it all on the podcast. Um, A a, uh, helpful tool in the toolbox was created by Tucson in my mind last week around a move to subsidize affordable housing uh, built by private developers. Basically, um, there is a uh, million dollars um, being set aside to subsidize impact fees um, for nonprofit and for-profit affordable housing providers. And basically every development that goes in, the short story is the, that the state, let, let's go here, right? This is, not, this is not city policy, this is state policy. The state says that cities have to uh, levy impact fees. Um, where developments, you know, create new infrastructure costs, uh, of all different kinds, and developers have to basically cover those costs through these things we call impact fees. Now, the city, any city, can waive these impact fees, but those waived fees have to be made up by the general fund. So the state still has to get its money, friends. The state still got to get what it's got to get. Um, and either the developers on the private or nonprofit side are pitching into that or, this, or, or uh, cities and municipalities – are covering it through their general fund. And uh, back in, I think, 2019, the city said, look, we will basically waive impact fees for nonprofit developers who are building housing that is affordable, according to a certain number. But now the city has found that it's actually more development is happening or could happen through private developers uh, than just nonprofit developers. So they went back to the table and said, well, can we do the same thing for for for-profit developers that we've been doing for nonprofit Developers. Everybody said yes. Uh, and, uh, and so this is happening. Uh, and the city manager said it's capped out a million so that we only have to, you know, carve out a million from our general fund going forward. Uh, and I've talked to some folks in the development space. Uh, again, preliminary. This is new. My research is new. But I've said, look, you know, even that subsidy can be the, di- the make or break difference between whether we can do a project or not. So that tells you um, that you know, in my mind, by and large, when we talk about the private sector, we can't create this broad brushstroke that all these folks are fat cats who have yachts in the Bahamas. And that's how I feel the conversation goes. Well, um, if, they would just, uh, if they would just step up, then uh, we would be better. And the fact of the matter is that in this market, private development is operating on razor thin margins. So yes, this is a good move. But as one uh, person following me on Twitter message, we were talking about homelessness, uh, these are these are drip by drip solutions to a faucet that is fully turned on. <laughs> right, and, and so my hope is that these little kind of whack-a-mole strategies, which are good and have to be done to incentivize more development that is affordable, more housing that is affordable, there has to be a big bold strategy around this that I'm just not seeing right now. There's some short-term strategies, um, short-term strategies happening, and and look, I, I I I you know I gotta go here not as you know someone trying to pick at a situation or to you know uh, to talk about an individual or, or another. But I just want to pragmatically say I think one of the things that stood out to me uh, was when the mayor's office said we've done this so that the private sector will decide to step up and make more housing. And I think that there's there's an attitude that we just have to address uh, in this – that there's this assumption um, that the private sector has to be forced to step up. And I think that's the wrong lens through which to start the conversation. Solving housing in this community is going to have to be a – public-private sector partnership where we figure out what each side needs to make things happen faster. And I think an assumption uh, that the private sector won't step up unless there's things given to them doesn't reflect the, the the reason that this subsidy was proposed in the first place is because the private sector is more able, more willing, and, and more has more capacity than the nonprofit sector in this community to jump in and work on housing situations again if you've been listening for the full hour you just jumped in Uh, I want to show that my my passion here is not wearing a blue shirt or a red shirt uh, or not you know I've never done this show to call somebody out uh, or or, or to talk in any negative way about anybody but I think we've got to get urgently pragmatic about some of the things happening right now and asking whether it is big enough and bold enough and if it's not we call it into question, have a community conversation, that's all I'm trying to do. And I congratulate and appreciate Tucson's Mayor and Council for providing one more incentive tool in the toolbox. But I think the private sector is ready and willing, they just aren't at the table, and they aren't accepted at the table, to have a bigger conversation about solving Tucson's greater challenges. And I think we've got to talk about that in more clear and in more urgent ways. And I've got an hour a day, uh, five hours a week to do it. And we're at a tipping point moment. We've got a narrowing window to make the right decisions on important topics. So good move last week. Let's keep doing it. Let's keep growing it. Let's keep tackling uh, housing and other big issues. Tomorrow when we come back, Pastor Jeff Lockson will be with us. Ruben Navarrete, the nation's most widely read Latino columnist, will be on as well to talk national issues from his perch. (laughs) Hugh Hewitt's up next. Bill Buckmaster at noon after that. We'll be back tomorrow, Tucson Wednesday, 9 a.m. Thanks for listening. Take care.